One guest, 10 songs, 10 reasons. Music was my first love on Radio Glamorgan. Hi, I'm Andrew Wolf, and you're listening to Hospital Radio Glamorgan, broadcasting from the heart of Cardiff's Heath Hospital. Welcome to Music Was My First Love, where either one of my fellow volunteers with the station or a special guest chooses 10 of their favourite songs. My very special guest today who has welcomed us into her home is Cardiff resident Nikki Tomkinson, who, after leading a full active life and spending as much free time as possible in theatres watching live musicals and loving her new life with her husband, Tony, in 2018, suffered a stroke. We'll hear from Nikki and talk about her love of music and recent experiences after her first choice for the musical Camelot. In Camelot. Camelot. Well, Nicky, I'm supposed to say uh, welcome to Radio Glamorgan, but thank you for letting us into your home. <laughs> welcome to my home, Andrew. <laughs> the first thing I should ask is, how are you? Not bad at all, thanks. It could be a lot worse than it yeah. is. So I've worked really hard at my rehab over the last year and a half, and um, I'm walking a bit, I'm talking a lot, as you can hear, and uh, able to get about mostly doing everything I need to do at home. Working towards getting back behind the wheel of a car, I read. Well, I've had just had a driving assessment where I had, like, a three-hour battery of tests and uh, apparently my reaction times are OK, quicker than average, and um, I drove like a real idiot trying to brake with my left foot as if it was a clutch. So nearly, <laughs> how we didn't get rear-ended about 17 times, I don't know. You're very welcome to Music Was My First Love and we're very grateful to you for agreeing to chat with us, as we will shortly about your stroke. But tell me about your first choice from Camelot. Camelot was, I think, it, was it released in something like the late mid-60s, late-60s? When I was growing up, my parents were... They lived and breathed musicals. In fact... In Cardiff, they uh, were one of three couples who set up an amateur theatre company to bring the big London and Broadway musicals into Cardiff because they couldn't be seen outside uh, those cities. And in those days, it wasn't so easy to pop up to London to see a show. There wasn't even an M4, was there? So these musicals were not seen outside London before then. And the very first one I remember going to see at the New Theatre was Camelot, and so that track brought back a lot of great memories of my first musical. So you, you had music growing up at home? A lot of music. I think people of my parents' generation, they were either rock and rollers or they listened to soundtracks, <laughs> didn't True. they? Soundtracks <laughs> of musicals and films and Tony Bennett and Jack Jones. Anyway, our house was full of musical soundtracks. So I could still sing you from beginning to end really badly about, you know, 400 musicals. Your second choice, Nikki, takes us back to teen idols of the 1970s. Did you have posters of Donny Osmond? Oh, not only posters of Donny Osmond, favourite colour purple. I had (laughs) a, a cap made of velvet, a Donny Osmond cap like he used to wear. I had a Sweet Dreams Donny pillowcase. And um, funnily enough, when I was in hospital, one of my friends sourced me a Donny pillowcase. And that was my hospital pillowcase. And any significance for puppy love? Who didn't? Well, a lot of people probably (laughs) (laughs) didn't adore it. But my heart would just melt every time. And I was going to marry him and he was singing it just to me. And they called it puppy love. 
uh, that you were a full-time teacher, but you did cover teaching. How did you get into that? I was doing some exam invigilation at a huge local comprehensive in North Cardiff when it became possible for schools to have non-teachers taking classes on their own in the absence of their regular teacher. And so I was probably one of the first in Cardiff to do that, and, and I found I loved it. I loved the children, and I, I just really enjoyed it. And what sort of age were you teaching? Uh, all the way from 11 to 16. Ah, yeah. nice. Very nice. And then before, you, before the stroke, you were an independent civil celebrant. I had just, three months before my stroke... I gave up work at Whitchurch High to set myself up as an independent civil celebrant and go for it. So doing beautiful, heartfelt, bespoke weddings and funerals and so on and so forth. Got a website done and got my business cards done and booked a couple of weddings. Did my first beautiful funeral in um, a natural burial ground. Beautiful open and birdsong and trees. It was just fabulous. And then a couple of days later, boom, I had a stroke. So... I haven't done any of it since. Now, we've known each other, I think, about 20 years, probably. At least, Andrew. And I suspect our late fathers probably knew each other yes. as well. And I see two Nicky Tomkinsons. The one that is so funny and used to flirt with me, something terrible. Oh, and oh Andrew, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> and the Nicky Tomkinson who loves classical music and stage musicals. So I suspect that it's the first Nicky who chose your next choice, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll by Ian Jerry. <laughs> I was a bit shocked to see this one on the list. Oh, Andrew, I <laughs> thought I was so cool. <laughs> Ian Jerry was the first concert I ever went to in Cardiff. Do you remember the top rank? Yes, I do. So down those stairs into that um, venue... And I thought, Ward, I've been 15 or something. And I thought I was the bee's knees. I went with another mutual old friend of ours, um, Stephen Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> we went to see it and I absolutely loved it. And uh, yeah, for about, for about two months, I was a bit of a punk. Then I went back to Beethoven. <laughs> Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Sex and drugs and rock and roll. Nicky Tonkinson's third choice on this edition of music was my first love, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, from Ian Jury. In 2015, you and Tony married, and life, I suspect, was really good. Oh, it was wonderful. I, uh, we met online, as is the way, so often these days. Uh, and I looked at his profile. He, so he, he winked at me or favourited me or something. I looked at his profile and I thought, this is just a list of music. You know, music is so important to him yeah. as well. Uh, but he had this list which he called the soundtrack to his life. And I thought, I can't stand any of these. We've got nothing <laughs> in common. So I wrote him, oh, well, you know, thank you very much for yeah. your kind you know, message. But I don't think we've got anything in common. But within six months, he had, in fact, moved down from the Lake District and <laughs> moved in. And now we're married. And leading up to the stroke in 2018, had there been any signs of veal health, as, as sometimes is the case with a heart attack? There were no none of the usual indicators, such as high cholesterol or high blood pressure. Or it's, you know, been checked regularly. Even recently, no problem there. It wasn't to do with my weight, which, as you can see, Andrew, is not light. There was some stress in my life. I'm a control freak, and it comes with the job. So... But apart from that, there were no indicators and I was simply driving through a a high street one day and was overcome by immense dizziness. I managed to pull the car over Mm. 
Uh, and my daughter got out and stopped the traffic. People came out of shops and helped move buses and things. So I held the road up for about 45 minutes. In the traffic queue was a policeman who eventually drove me home. Do you want an ambulance? I said, no, 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 I'll just sleep it off. So, But in fact, later that night, I ended up in this very hospital with uh, a stroke. Having gone home, why were, you, why were you then taking it? Were you getting worse? Um, I was... The overwhelming thing had been dizziness, which eased off enough for the policeman to, for me to get out of the driving seat and the policeman to drive me home. And I got home and I did go to sleep for about two hours, which is quite unusual. And yes, when I woke up, um, I know some people have a, an immediate stroke. You know, they something will they you know they'll um, become unconscious or they might just suddenly droop or something like that. But mine wasn't like that at all, and I'm sure that's true for other people. I, when I woke up, I, my speech felt a little bit slurred, but I wasn't sure, and I called Tony, and we did the fast test, and everything seemed to be fine. It was very unclear, really. We have a, a neighbour who's a district nurse, and she kindly popped in, and she did the fast test, too, and she wasn't sure. Eventually, she thought we should phone an ambulance. He, the ambulance guy, the paramedic, wasn't sure, but after a few hours, in um, he went. You were 53? Was I 55, in fact? 55. 55. It obviously affected Tony a great deal, and, and your daughter and siblings, but were you aware of the effect it must have had on your mum? I was aware of the effect it must have had on my mother, because I'm a parent too, and I know you would take any pain away from your own children wouldn't you that you could but you don't have the space in your mind for worrying about anybody else you yeah. you really don't there's a um, part of having a stroke is for example neurological fatigue so that could be you know thinking can affect that if you think for too long you can't do anything else whether you're thinking moving typing anything yeah. it all ties you out uh, and sometimes even if you don't do too much there's no rhyme or reason so I couldn't sort of be there for mum. I had to just be the selfish patient, really. A few of your ten choices you'll have to help me with, as I can't say them. <laughs> so t- <laughs> tell me about your fourth choice, which is Saint Sans. Yeah, that's Sanson's organ. <laughs> it was nowhere near. <laughs> uh, final fourth movement, tell me about this. Oh, the fourth movement of his organ symphony. I absolutely adore. If you hear it live, the power of the organ in a church or a concert hall it makes the place vibrate and you can feel the power of the organ traveling up through your body almost and and you're almost vibrating in time with you know along with the organ it's so powerful it's also very very beautiful i heard it first uh, on a trip in my 20s to paris we were just wandering around and found a church having a concert that night as you do and we went in and it was absolutely fabulous. You probably recognise the theme, actually, because it's been made into a pop song.
did the stroke and the thought of what was to come affect you emotionally? You know, there is... There could be fear, but I decided very quickly that you can't predict what's going to happen. And you look around in the ward and you think, well, am I going to be... Am I as bad as that? Am I better than that person? Am I as bad as him? Am I going to die? I really didn't know if I was going to die or not. And um, actually, these are questions that are not answerable, especially not early on. So so uh, at the Heath, you go into an acute ward first, so that's when you're at your worst. Mm. And that's not about rehab, that's about um, the medicine, you know. It's got to cross your mind, but I, I think I'm quite strong-minded and I decided I'm not going to worry about the unknown, we'll just see what will be. There's no point in living something over and over in case it never mm. happens. So, funnily enough, I, as soon as I could sit up a bit, I, I played music through my headphones every day, I saw lots of people at visiting time and I just decided to make the best of it, you know, to try and make it as unhospital-like as possible, mm. really. Now, um, a bit of fun for your next choice. Los Del Rio and Macarena. <laughs> I know this is supposed to be my favourite song, so I can't, in all honesty, say that the Macarena is a favourite song, but I was living in Turkey when this came out, and there was one pitiful disco in um, a campsite just outside the town I was living in, and uh, this was the year of the Macarena. Well, as luck would have it, it was also the year I became pregnant. So I could really tell how my body was changing as to how well or badly I could continue to do the Macarena. <laughs> and so it completely reminds me of that happy time of being pregnant. <laughs> tell you how much I love Ella Fitzgerald and in particular that song there was a period of my life when all I wanted was somebody who would have my best interest at heart someone to watch over me and in fact I played this as uh, Tony came out and got me and led me into the city hall for our wedding oh lovely you touched on it briefly just before but the stroke was obviously life-changing for how long did it feel like the future was unknown, that you didn't know what was around the corner? Oh, I would think a good a good year, because in hospital you have intense physiotherapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy if you need it. I happen not to. Then there's an amazing system. You get home from around here, it's Clandoc normally, mm. from the Stroke Rehabilitation Centre, and they have a an early supported discharge team who visit you, one member of the team visits you almost every day for more intense concentrated therapy with homework sort of thing, yeah. with more to do. So you're working so hard, you can see so many positive changes. So you have targets, you meet them, you have a new target. I mean, it used to take me about six minutes to walk up the stairs, for example, and now it takes me less than one. There are so many things you could measure and see yourself improving. And so I would think to myself, one of these days, this is going to stop. And how am I going to feel then? And I go, no, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying. And I am still trying. 
Tell me about this pioneering new research into strokes that I think you've been involved in. Yeah, I was very happy to take part in some research into people under, was it 60 or 65? Sometimes I don't remember things anymore because that age group uh, is considered young for a stroke. So the focus of research funding and research attention hasn't been into it. And they have found, by measuring a number of young people's walking pace and style or gait, they have found that you need to be able to walk at a certain pace before you are likely to be able to return to work. This research, conducted by Dr Hannah Jarvis and her team, uh, will be the basis for lots of good future research into what we have to do to get people who are so young back into work. For example, I should have another 15 or 20 years' work left in me, but that's not going to be possible now. Now, Nikki, the walrus of love. (laughs) (laughs) Nearly choked on my coffee, Andre. (laughs) The walrus of love is going to be my first, my last, my everything. And sorry to keep bringing my husband into it, but he doesn't like making speeches. So when we were going to get married, he said, can I, you know, he wanted to sing a song instead. Actually, he sang three. I know that sounds really cringy and I could see people almost wincing when they found out he was going to do that in case. Well, in case it was really cringy, but actually he's a really good singer. He's been in bands all his life, usually heavy metal. Which, again, not for me at all. They were called things like Bitches Sin, uh, which you can Google, uh, Fugly and stuff like that. But uh, for the wedding, he sang uh, a few lovey-dovey songs. And my first, my last, my everything was one. And everybody stood up and uh, bopped around. How have you found the medical and emotional support for the NHS? I think it has been absolutely incredible. I know you hear people saying it, you know, it takes them three weeks to get an appointment with a GP sometimes, but oh my goodness, have a stroke. And I find it's been absolutely fantastic from the minute you are rushed into hospital to slowly improving at home, you know, up to a year later. I was still having classes in the community provided by the NHS a year and a half after my stroke and there are still things available it's been amazing and so you're a big supporter of the nhs i'm a huge supporter of the nhs and i have got a whole new opinion about occupational therapists and physiotherapists who get you walking again and you think you never will Mm. get you talking again when you think you're going to grunt for the rest of your life absolutely amazing next up (laughs) you you said I could choose whichever one I wanted, as long as it wasn't... Andrea Bocelli. Oh, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Well, I've found uh, Roberto Alagna and Bryn Teufel. Oh, lovely, but um, a bit of uh, Welsh magic there. Yeah, now you'll have to tell me our, f- our fond do... Okay, don't, don't even try. Okay. It's uh, the, for the, uh, the Temple Deep or something, and this is from the opera called The Pearl Fishers, And this is the most beautiful duet of uh, two men singing, seeing this beautiful goddess, you know, uh, walk in or become unveiled. This piece of music is very special to me just because I find it so beautiful. And you alluded to the fact I was working at a big school earlier and I had a registration class first thing in the morning. And one of the things we did was each child in turn or in pairs had to present a five-minute 
presentation on something that was important to them. It could be music, it could be a poem, it could be a news item, something to make us think, because it is the law around here that you have to have an act of worship every morning. But, you know, we, we use that a little bit loosely and had something to meditate upon. Anyway, if it was your turn and you didn't prepare something for us, you had to listen to this lovely duet from the Pearl Fishes. <laughs> You're listening to Music Was My First Love, my guest Nikki Tonkinson. Nikki, you've never been afraid to post on social media pictures and videos even soon after the stroke and during the rehabilitation process and social outings. For all its critics, I guess social media has its uses because other stroke victims can see that there is life after stroke. You can see there's life after stroke and you can see it warts and all sometimes. I don't think it's something to be ashamed of and I think perhaps the more people know about it, the better. They will know what you're capable of. Uh, what special considerations you will need. It really is a life-changing thing. You know, obviously, it can be fatal. Obviously, people are left with very different abilities afterwards, and and no stroke is really the same. But knowing that your fears, worries, hopes, etc., are quite normal for the condition is great. It was a lovely way to keep in touch with friends and family as well. Mm. Where did your love of stage musicals come from? grew entirely from my upbringing, where my father and my mother appeared in as many as they could, usually at the New Theatre, later at the Sherman, and even um, appearing at St David's Hall when it opened in the, do we think, 80s? Uh, Well, I went to the first pop concert there, which was Hot Chocolate, which was early 80s, so I think 79, 80, yeah. I believe in miracles. It's my first ever gig. Yeah, it was yours, (laughs) and mine was around the corner at the top right. (laughs) Funny. Tell me about Book of Mormon, because this is new to me. I've never heard of this before. With Book of Mormon, I finally dragged myself into the 21st century and uh, included a really up-to-date musical. It's very naughty, very blasphemous, and hilarious, I think, but I've picked... The cleanest song I can think of (laughs) for our listeners' tender ears. And also, it's one of the greatest opening numbers from a musical that I know. This is the cast of Book of Mormon. Hello, my name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. It has... So many awesome parts, you simply won't believe how much this book can change your life. Hello, my name is Elder Green. I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Nikki, we've reached your final choice of ten. Tell me about Nina Simone and My Baby Just Cares For Me. This song makes me happy every time I listen to it without fail. And during my stay in hospital, I was in the Heath for about eight days... Then about two months in Llandoc, I probably listened to it every day. And it just kept my spirits up. Before my stroke, I would have bopped around to it. Now I just tap my uh, left hand and uh, I hope it makes you happy too. As we sit here in your front room on a windy Sunday morning in February 2020, how is the future looking for you? 
it's still, I think, unknown, but I'm very hopeful. I have a lot of friends. I have a wonderful family. I might even get to drive again. Who knows? And if there's one message that you could pass on to anyone who's recently suffered a stroke, what would it be? Keep trying. Try everything they ask you to. Do as you're told and keep going. Nikki Tomkinson, it's been lovely to spend some time with you and Radio Glamorgan is grateful for you for taking the time to talk with us and taking part in Music Was My First Love and I wish you continued good health. Thank you. My baby don't care for cars and races You've been listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan, where Nikki Tomkinson has been choosing ten of her favourite tracks. I'm Andrew Wolfe, and join me again soon when I'll be joined by another guest who chooses their favourite songs on another edition of Music Was My First Love.